Koi Harry is the civilian shooting instructor for CSAT, or Combat Shooting and Tactics. Originally a student, Koi enrolled in the course when the school he worked at wanted to start a Guardian program following the events at Columbine. Now Koi guides teachers through intensive training and active shooter situations. I hope you will find this interview informative as we go to CSAT and me, Koi Harry. I'm sitting here with uh, Koi Harry. He's a uh, gun instructor down here in uh, Nacogdoches, and uh, sounds like he's uh, probably got an interesting life. He's also, uh, from what I understand, in uh, the uh, Martial Arts Hall of Fame, or at least that's what his wife told me. And so uh, we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll see, uh, l- let him introduce himself real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Koi Harry. Um yeah, I'm the lead instructor for the civilian side here at Combat Shooting and Tactics, uh, Paul Howell's company. Um, <clears throat> I also am the current uh, head of the system for Shintuan Martial Science. Uh, that was founded by Joe Lansdale uh, back in 1995. Um, also a school teacher full-time, teaches biology, chemistry, and physics at a small uh, rural East Texas school, and uh, run the... Uh, I started and, and, and run the uh, Guardian program, which are armed members of uh, staff on campus. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I kind of like to go back to the very beginning of things. So uh, what started first, the uh, shooting or the martial arts with you? Um, really about the same time when I was a kid, um, shooting was a big deal. I grew up in Central Texas. Um and so I'm a big bird hunter. I'm living in East Texas, deer hunting country. And I, I'm not a big deer hunter, deer ambusher. Um, but uh, started shooting pistols when I was about seven, shotguns, rifles. Uh, and then also started martial arts about seven or eight um, in Mudaquan in Temple, Texas. So I've been doing both. <laughs> now, as far as the tactical shooting, you know, professionally, here at CSAT, I started in uh, 2016. Okay, so you mentioned, uh, was it Shinwon? Shinchuan. Shinchuan. <laughs> Let my accent get in the way. Here. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what, what exactly is that? Can you explain that? Like, uh, Yeah, that's a, it's a self-defense system that basically what Joe uh, did is took a lot of the concepts and principles of multiple martial arts that he had trained in over the years um, and throughout all the what we call dojo techniques, all the stuff that requires cooperation from your partner and um, kind of kept the whoop ass stuff. Yeah. And so it's it's a self-defense situ- uh, system. We focus primarily on striking, but we also do quite a bit of locking, throwing, balance mm-hmm. disruptions, things like that. Um, <clears throat> it's fun. Yeah. So how did you get into that just? Well, Mom sign you up for a class or <laughs> well with that uh that particular system um and that instructor joe i'd gotten out of the army um i was i was an army officer uh for a while and uh i got hit in the reduction in force uh after the first gulf war mm. so i didn't have a choice as an officer they're like yeah get out so yeah. <clears throat> i had to decide what am, what am i going to do you know so Anyway, I was kind of in a funk. I had a hole in my soul, basically, because that's all I'd ever wanted to be was an Army officer. Um, And uh, I'd married my wife, Tanya. And um, 
she was still in college. She was taking uh, Taekwondo for a PE credit. And she saw a guy doing some stuff that wasn't Taekwondo. And she's like, hmm, I think my husband might like that. So she started <laughs> talking to him. <clears throat> and uh, so I think that was like a Tuesday. And she, he said something about a class on Thursday. So I showed up there. And uh, the first time I met Joe, um, I looked in his eyes and I'm like, yeah, I'm home because he's seen the elephant, you know. And uh, so the, the the class at the time, it was called Matsukaze um, Budo. And so we did, um, it was a two-hour class, a couple of nights a week. And uh, we did uh, Kempo for an hour and we did Aikido for an hour. We had two different instructors. Mm-hmm. And uh, they kind of parted ways, and I followed Joe and, you know, helped him establish the Xinhuan martial science. It's not an ancient Chinese art or anything. Yeah. The, the Chinese means spirit fist or spirit boxing, you know. Yeah. Some people have, you know, oh, it says like, God <laughs> boxing. No, that's not what it is. <clears throat> Whoops, I just kicked up. Nah, you're fine. I'll fix it in post. <laughs> so, anyway, Tanya got me. Tommy got got me into it, um, which was really a a blessing because, like I said, I had a hole in my soul, and that what I was missing was the brotherhood. You know, that's that's who I am. I need people like that around me. Um, That's where I function best. Yeah, and uh, so just wondering because you mentioned all the thing about like ROTC and stuff. That kind of how you found out that about yourself, or. I'd, I'd, as long as I can remember, um, I'd been militaristically minded. I'd always wanted to be a soldier from the time that I was little. I mean, there's, um, I think my dad used to tell a story that when I first learned to talk, I don't know, I was however old that is, and it was right around Christmas time. I said, what do you want? I want a rifle. <laughs> and this was back in the, you know, the late 60s, early 70s. And, you know, toy guns were kind of taboo. So he said, you know, they had to go all over the place to try and find one for me. So it's just been who I am and I recognized it and I've tried to follow paths that suit my nature. Um, you know, yeah, I've been very, very fortunate. <clears throat> so once you, I, I can imagine how crushing that would be once they kick you out of there. So yeah, it was. Found that. Yeah. So, then, like, was it just an obsession from then on, or? Um, I would say more of a lifestyle. Uh, you know, a lot of people do things for hobbies. Um, yeah. Nothing, the, you know, the, the martial arts, the, the combat, the tactical shooting, training, it, it's not a hobby for me. It's, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. And so, if you want to use the word obsession, I guess you could use that. That would... That would, but I like, I prefer the term lifestyle just because, you know, I don't do it to the exclusion of all else. Yeah. You know, I still spend time with a family and, you know, when the kids were born, I had to give up every kid. I had to give up one night a week of martial arts. So I was doing four nights a week. And then once both <laughs> were born, I only got to do two. So, but you know, that's yeah. compromised. But if I was obsessed, I don't think I, you know. Yeah. So I was just, <clears throat> I was just wondering, I had interviewed a, a uh, power lifter mm-hmm. and uh he owns a place in tyler called meal prep guy and that was kind of his thing was he was doing power lifting was ranked like number three or something in america or the world or whatever then uh uh pulled 
or snapped something in his back, muscular wise, and couldn't use his left arm. And so he said it was just like depression for oh, yeah. two years after that. So, I was, but then he also kind of put that obsession into his business, and now he's expanding like no one would believe. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> so, I've always been um, intense, passionate yeah. person, and so um, you know I, I think I, I follow my passions. You know, my mm-hmm. passions are. Um, all linked to some form of combat, whether it's hand combat, you know, and I, you know, in the army, I was a tanker. So, you know, go all the way up to that. So it's all the same thing once you understand the concepts that drive it all. So, yeah, I mean, it's who I am. Yeah. So, uh, about the, uh, hall of fame. (laughs) Well, it's, (laughs) yeah, that's, uh, it's not quite what it, what it, Sounds like, um, basically, uh, I was inducted, I was recognized in 1998 as a master instructor in the international martial arts hall of fame. Um, and then in 99, I was inducted as a member Mm -hmm. as a master instructor. So it's not like, you know, Oh, you're such a, you know, whatever. There's not like a shrine to you or no, 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 no. nothing like that. It, it, you know, I, I really, I don't, mention it a whole lot primarily because that particular um outfit they basically became after after the 2000s they became kind of a pay to play yeah yeah and so now i got in when i actually had to go and demonstrate my technique and my ability and 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 things like that but now so i don't like to associate with it that much anymore because i don't want people to think oh he just bought that well yeah, maybe <laughs> I don't know, but I had to do a lot of stuff to you know. Yeah, and so I had to get voted in by the council or whatever. But yeah, you know, it's not that I don't. It's not something I brag about. Brag about. Yeah. You know. So when did uh, the tactical training and stuff start? Um, it really started um, as our school, my school, decided to institute a guardian program. Mm-hmm. So we after Sandy Hook. They wanted to um, implement armed people on campus. And because of my background, they asked me if I would be the program leader. And I said, sure, I'll, but I got two conditions. Number one, I get to pick the team. And number two, we train at CSAT because we got a world-class tactical trainer in our backyard and it would be obscene not to use him. Uh, so I got one wish and that was, or one condition, and that was training at CSAT. I didn't get to pick my first team. Uh, that, that's a whole other story, but, um, so 2015, um, early 2016, I started, uh, we did a guardian course out here. My school did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, I've been shooting since I was seven. I thought I was pretty good and I was better than average. I mean, I shot expert with every weapon I was able to touch in the army. Um, so yeah, I thought, yeah, but then I came out here and I saw the real professionals. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I got to have me some of that. And so I trained up. The school um, was going to pay for me to become certified as a CSAT instructor so that I can conduct the training for our guardians. Uh, their condition was I had to pass the course because uh, if I didn't pass the course, then I had to pay for it. It's like 1200 bucks. You know, yeah. I'm a school teacher. I don't make that much money. My <laughs> wife, bless her heart, she's a social worker, you know. Yeah. 
<clears throat> so I was like, all right, no pressure. Uh, so I started training and then, um, spring of 2017, I passed the, uh, instructor course. And, uh, on the final day of the instructor course, Paul asked me if I wanted a job and I, are you talking to me? <laughs> Heck yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's pretty cool. So what was, what was the difference between this and, uh, even your military training? Um, this is a lot more technical. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, our whole concept are fundamentals on demand. So it's not flashy. It's not exciting. Um, in the military, basically what you do is, you know, they teach people in large groups. Mm-hmm. So there's no specialty. You don't get a lot of time, you know, unless you go on your own. With, you know, with your own personal weapon and, and train, you get whatever training they give you. And it's not, it's just the very basics. Now, unless you make it into special operations like Paul was, you know, you don't get a lot of uh, specialized training. Yeah. Basically, all the shooting and stuff that I did was from my childhood. My grandfather, not my real grandfather, but I, he, he basically adopted me. Um, he was a World War II vet, so he taught me how to shoot shotguns, mm-hmm. pistols, rifles, um, you know, and then he'd actually kill people. So he knew what it was like, you know, yeah. and this is how well you have to shoot. Um, and you know, a lot of people, they just don't know what they don't know. Um, there's a lot to it. So we have uh, flat range standards that we have to pass. We have to shoot consistently on demand. Uh, they're challenging. Uh, but then the, What's different is you've got to take those flat range standards and you have to apply them to tactical scenarios. So you have to apply them to exiting a vehicle, maneuvering around a vehicle, um, fire maneuver up to a structure, clearing a structure. Um, You have to be able to discriminate targets when you enter a structure. So you can't just go in, you know, with your gun up too high where you got to be able to see everything. Um, So there's a lot of things involved that people don't realize and, you know, the nice thing about working for Paul is he's had, he had 10 years in special operations, um, you know, the, the top tier in the world. And <clears throat> so every time I'm around him, I'm learning more and more and more and more, you know, mm-hmm. on the, on the big picture, you know, combat is combat, but you know, it's the small stuff. Um, you know, can you perform daytime, nighttime, gloves on gloves off you know with armor without armor tired sweaty bloody you know yeah so that's that's where it's different than you know uncle bob going out in the back of the pasture and shooting cans off the fence you know yeah so that the uh guardian program our teachers going through y'all's full experience or do y'all have something specifically for them or so what we have um when I first started, it was a five-day course. We did it in August, and it was brutal. I mm-hmm. mean, it was just absolutely <laughs> brutal. Um, but, you know, it was, uh, it was an experience. So what we've done now, our Guardian program, um, we encourage schools to do a two-day TAC pistol course where they get familiar with their weapon system, with their pistol. They mm. are taught the CSAT system, the pistol system, how we shoot pistols. And then they're introduced to the Guardian standards. They have seven standards that flat range standards they have to pass in order for us to go, yeah, you're safe enough and competent enough to carry a firearm around children in a school. 
Um, then they come to a three-day Guardian One course. And in that Guardian One course, we teach them the basics of CQB, close quarters battle, room clearing. So at the end of that course, they have to pass two things. They have to pass the flat range standards and they have to pass uh, tactical standards, which is an outside contact, a hallway contact, room contact, T-intersection, and they have to do a tourniquet. So we do a little bit of medical on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our very basic that's what we send everybody. We encourage everyone to go through. Now we've had some schools that wanted a shortcut. They're like, "Oh, we can shoot," and you know, we're going to skip the tack pistol. And then they come and they have a lot of trouble passing the standards. Um, after that, we have a Guardian Two course, which is basically the same tactical scenarios, but we use Bob dummies. Those guys over there. <clears throat> that in real situation in the school, you're going to have people in front of the targets, behind the targets, around the targets, in your way. So you learn to move around people with a live weapon. So all of our CQB is live fire. Um, and then we have a guardian three course, which is a, a tack pistol med course. And so um, that's conducted by uh, Dr. Klingenberg and uh, Mark, who you met earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, they do that. They've got uh, bleeder dummies. So they teach you how to pack wounds. They teach you how to apply tourniquets, uh, the two primary tourniquets, soft tees, cats, um, and then uh, at the end of the course, you have to do tactical scenarios. So there's going to be a dummy laying there. You've got to come in, clear room. They'll come start pumping the blood out of the dummy. So you got to get down there, assess what's wrong, stop the bleeding, either pack it, tourniquet, whatever you got to do. Yeah. You know, so we have a, we have a progression, but the, the primary thing is the two-day tack pistol and three-day Guardian 1. Yeah. So – I was just wondering because you said that your your school that you worked for was one of the uh, first ones to enact the program. So, uh, h- how many are there now across the state? Do you know across the state? I don't know. We we were the first, uh, one of the first in Nacogdoches County, not in in the state. There's been yeah. some in the state that have been doing it for a while, uh, particularly out in West Texas. Um, <clears throat> but. Uh, as far as across the state, it's it's becoming more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the schools in Nacogdoches County right now um, do have guardian programs that have trained here at CSAT. Um, and um, I've got uh, – I'm going to be working with some next month uh, from McClendon County. And so we're trying to spread out, get the word out. There's a, there's a school out in uh, Midland, and they come and train with us every year in the summer. So, so the, the standards for that, are they across the board or is it y'all have y'all's own standards? If they trained with somebody else, they'd have their standards or. Yeah. So the deal about the guardian program is there's three ways to legally carry a gun in a school in Texas. Mm -hmm. You can be a licensed law enforcement officer and work, uh, either as a school resource officer, SRO, uh, an ISD PD, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of them have their own police departments. Um, <clears throat> so you have that LE route, and then you've got a school marshal program, which the state puts on. And that's you're in a weird gray area between being an actual law, enforce, law, law enforcement officer and just plain civilian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the guardian program, and that's run uh, the way it's written in Texas law is individual districts have the um, right to – grant anyone they 
the school board feels appropriate to carry a firearm on campus. And so that's where we chose to do that. Uh, there's reasons why we didn't do the Marshall program. I mean, if you want me to get into all that, I can. But I mean, yeah, this is long form, so okay. I'm just trying to inform people <laughs> whatever I can here. At the time, the Marshall program, <clears throat> the DPS pushed the training on. Um, they treat it like a, um, at least in uh, the, the people that I've heard that have gone through it, um, they like to yell at people and scream at people. You know, now part of that is stress inoculation, but mm-hmm. they're doing it at inappropriate times. You know, while people, new shooters are on a range with live ammo, that's not the place to do yeah. that. It's not very professional. Um, <clears throat> but what really made me not choose it is as a school marshal, you could not carry a firearm on your person. It had to be locked in a safe if you came into contact with children at any point in the day. Well, What's the point? Yeah. Right. The other deal is you could only shoot frangible ammunition. So frangible ammo, for those that don't know, is basically a metal powder that's compacted. And what it's designed to do is powder uh, when it hits something hard like bricks or things like that. And um, it's not great for stopping people. Um, And if you shoot a bunch of it, it wears your barrel out. So your accuracy decreases. Um, So... I, I was like, no, we need to go with the Guardian program because each individual district is able to set their own standards, you know, and their own yeah. rules for Guardian programs. So what I tried to do, I wrote a, a handbook, a Guardian program leader handbook, and working, you know, with Paul these years, I've, I've, we've, we've tried to create a template for a really good, strong Guardian program. And if schools want to do it and they want to do it right, then we're happy to help them out. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of schools that just have a principal or a superintendent walking around. Oh, I got my concealed handgun. Well, that ain't, mm-mm. Yeah. you know, you're going to be more of a problem than you are a help. So, yeah. <clears throat> so just wondering with the Marshall program, was that something before the guardian program sort of came along? I was just trying to figure out. I'm pretty sure the guardian program a- has been in Texas law for a long time. And like I said, some of those schools out in West Texas, they've been doing it for a while. Yeah. Not close to 20 years. The school marshal program is relatively new. Um, I believe it started right around the Sandy Hook incident. Yeah. Um, I, I was just trying to figure out why there'd be such a, uh, what would you call? I'm disparity good. between yeah, the two. Yeah, disparity. That's because the, the state, it's a state program. So anything the state puts their grubby paws in, it's going to be jacked up. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how how did the uh, Guardian program come about? Then is that federal or no? It's it's, it's state, um, but I, I I don't know the actual history behind it. Like I said, I'm pretty sure it's been in the law for a long, long time because a lot of yeah. schools have been doing it. Um, or not a lot. Several schools have been doing it for twenty plus years. Um, I'm not sure when it was written. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you mentioned the stretch stress inoculation stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that a, something y'all practice or is it more just like trying to get that muscle memory down? What we try to do is we try to tier our instruction. So our philosophy is crawl, walk, run. Mm-hmm. So we start, you know, very simple and then we, we just add to it. Um, part of the stress inoculation that we offer uh, in our course is we do a mindset. We talk about mindset, what it takes, you know, it, carrying a gun all day is not a pleasant experience. 
Um, and it shouldn't be. Um, you know, every morning I put this thing on and I go to school and, you know, as I'm putting the gun on, I'm like, take a breath. <sighs> okay. You know, I've got a dangerous weapon on my hip. I'm responsible for every round that comes out of it. All this stuff is going through my head, so I don't take it for granted. When you start mm -hmm. taking it for granted, that's when you get in trouble. Um, so mindset is a very important thing. It's stress inoculation. Uh, the way we inoculate stress is first our, our flat range standards have time. So you have to make certain shots in a certain time limit. Yeah. And so you have a little timer, a little beeper, and that beep induces stress. And so, you know, people learn to deal with that. Then um, <clears throat> we typically do um, just uh, our regular CSAT standard target. Uh, I can show it to you later. Um, and then what we'll do after that is we start putting discrimination targets in there. So our discrimination targets are pictures of people and with their hands in different positions and we put props on there and some of the props are guns, you know, a Coke can coffee cup, whatever. Yeah. So as a person is coming into a room or, or they're using threshold assessment, if they're, if they're a single person, then they have to be able to learn to take a step and see a little bit because you can only move as fast as you can discriminate. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so part of the, the, uh, trail of tears I had to take to be an instructor was a shoot house instructor course. And what we learned in that course is how to run people safely through a live fire shoot house. But we also learn how to set up the shoot house. And I've been watching Paul for six years now and how he sets things up and he understands people's psychology. So, you know, we'll put a shoot target in one room and then the next room, it'll have uh, a guy with a gun, but then there'll be a badge down there. So our discrimination process is you have to look at the whole person, hands, waistline, mm -hmm. immediate area, and demeanor. So if you're not doing that, you won't pick up the badge. You'll pick up the gun and you'll shoot. Yeah. You know, and so that's some stress inoculation. We also show them videos of people dying. Um, you know, there's people don't die like they do in the movies. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about that. We talk about how to prep your mind um, to be ready to take a human life. Um and, you know, you got to you got to make peace uh, ahead of time, you know, and and being a school teacher and, you know, a guardian, I may have to kill a kid that I've taught for four years. Mm. You know what I mean? So, you know, it may be one I wanted to and I, I'm just kidding, <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, it may not be the one that everyone else wants me to. But yeah, but the, I mean, these are things, you know, the other the other part of it I talk about. And in small schools, a lot of teachers, their kids are there. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you've got to you've got to be able to see your kid lying there bleeding in the hallway and not stop. Yeah, that's not easy. You know, yeah. you have to make peace with that. You got to go and solve the problem so other kids are safe. And so these are things, you know, that's what I talk about. People, they don't know what they don't know. You know, there's a lot to it. Yeah. So, if you want to, I know it's not really your expertise here, but uh, why don't you mention like some of the other kind of tactical training y'all do and stuff here? You showed me the barracks and everything. Yeah. Um, well, basically what we have, we have two divisions. Um, we have the civilian training side. That's uh, mm -hmm. I'm the lead instructor on that. And then we have our law enforcement training side. 
And uh, my buddy Nick is in charge of that. And so they do basic SWAT courses, advanced SWAT courses. Um, let's see what else. They got uh, urban marksman, um, you know, basically a police sniper course, um, uh, counter uh, counter ambush courses, things like that. Yeah. So, you know, we just had um, we had a group of uh, Air Force TACPs come through. We also offer an instructor course. And so uh, we had a group of uh, Air Force guys come in a couple months ago, and they went through. Um, so we have, you know, we teach civilians, military, law enforcement. Just a little bit of everything. We, we, yeah, we cover it all. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, you know, you don't think about, you know, these small towns and stuff, what all's in them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I count myself extremely fortunate. Number yeah. one, to have found Joe Lansdale as a martial arts instructor. The guy's phenomenal. Uh, and then to be able to work for Paul Howe, my God, yeah. you know, American hero. This, this man is, he's, I mean, I he's who we, I want to be we, when we I grow up. We talked off camera about it if you, you want to explain who he was and everything. Yeah, for those <laughs> uh, that don't know who Paul Howe is, Paul uh, <clears throat> is an Army veteran, 20 years in the Army, uh, 10 years spent in special op, tier one organization um he was uh his team was in the battle of the black sea the the black hawk down deal um he didn't show up in a character in the movie but if you've read the book <laughs> paul is a is a major character in the book yeah uh, the author you know contacted paul and did a lot of interviews with him and so he um he is an incredible human being he's yeah somebody special yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe I'll have to interview him one of these days <laughs> <laughs> if you think I could get him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can, I can ask. Okay, man. Thanks for sitting down and, you know, explaining it. I know it's guardian programs, the thing we hear a lot on the news and stuff, but you don't really get an idea of what all they actually go through. And yeah, there's I, a lot of people, you know, like think we're just throwing guns at teachers. And <laughs> so. The big thing that I want is, you know, there, there's a lot of, people out there that are giving what they call guardian training and it's not good. So what I encourage people to do, if, if you're a school administrator, uh, you're a school board member, you want to institute a guardian program, vet your trainer. Yeah. You know, you want somebody that has, don't get the Walmart one. <laughs> yeah. Don't get the Walmart one. Don't get the, you know, don't get the cop to train you. That's, you know, your brother-in-law or whatever. And yeah. Nothing against them, but, you know, your your average law enforcement officer is not that good. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds pretty intense what y'all go through. But Yeah, it's we take it very, very seriously. You know, yeah. our we we consider our kids to be this nation's most precious commodity and they're the least protected. Mm -hmm. And that needs to change. Yeah. Well, hopefully this brings some uh some uh, attention to it and stuff. I don't have many subscribers or anything, but <laughs> <laughs> thanks for it. It only takes one. Yeah. Yeah. Save one person, reach out to one person, right? That's it. So uh, thanks for sitting down to me with me, man. You're it's more than welcome. Great. Oh, hi. You actually uh, made it to the end. Uh, not many people do that. Um, I guess you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, go ahead and uh, like and subscribe. Share it with people if you want to. And uh, just tune in next time because I'm always interviewing different people. Uh, thanks a lot. Have a good one.